being said, grab your Bibles, Psalm number 91. You guys know how we start this off. First of all, the big idea of the book of Psalms. I pray you guys have been blessed by Psalms thus far. I've been blessed just teaching it. Um, but grab your Bibles. If you have your paper Bible, your version Bible, your notebook, whatever it is, let's jump into Psalm number 91. Psalm 91, what's the big idea of the book of Psalms? Psalms are songs and prayers. The Psalms show us that we can communicate with God through a variety of circumstances, songs, and emotions. How do Psalms fit into God's big story? We can use our gifts to express something to God or about God. God is not afraid of our emotional prayers or our worst moments. And everything about our worship must be centered on Jesus. How do Psalms fit into my story? Worshiping God is not limited to our external circumstances. My worship must be willing to be honest with God. And there's nothing I can bring to God that God can't handle. Just a reminder, we are in a psalm of wisdom. Psalm of wisdoms, celebrate living in a way that honors God. Celebrate living in a way that honors God. Grab your Bible, Psalm 91. Let's finish Psalm 91, verse number 14, and let's start our journey tonight. Reading from the New International Version, it says these words, Because he, God, loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. A couple of things you can do as you read the scriptures. Make sure you're underlining, you're highlighting, you're writing in your margins of your Bible. If there's a word that stands out to you, if there's a statement that stands out to you. And uh, those of you in the Bible app or sheets that are on the table there will walk through this text. And uh, I'm excited to do so. Remember the movements of Psalm 91, verses 1 through 6. God's assurance that he'll protect us in dangerous places. Verses 7 through 13, God's angels protect you in warfare. And verses 14 through 16, speaking God's name means constant protection. That's what we're going to rest tonight. That when we speak the name of God, in this case it'll be Jehovah, we'll also see Yahweh. As we speak the name of God, it means constant protection. So the last few verses of, the, of, of Psalm 91 speaks to a relationship between God and God gathers God's voice, and he talks about how God has a relationship with both of us, with you and me. So these verses, I like this because, remember, the, psalm, the psalms were songs. And so this particular song, the verses of the psalm were 1 through 4, uh, one, 1 through 6, 7 through 13, and 14 through 16. So it's as if we're singing a hymn in church. It was like verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. This is verse 3, and it speaks to this relationship in the secret place, that the reason the secret place is accessible to all of us and the reason we can be and stay and dwell in the secret place is because of this relationship. So this text doesn't have much beyond what's face value, and I love just taking it there. Remember, this was a wartime text. This is a text for soldiers that were going into war. And so as they were going into war, it was reminding those soldiers that he or she that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You have nothing to worry about going into war. That as you're going into war, as you're going into warfare, for them literally fighting their enemies, there's nothing you need to worry about because you're in the secret place with God. For us spiritually, we take at it because we're not, all of us are not getting up and going into war. We take that then looking at our day-to-day, day-in and day-out engagements, that if we dwell in the secret place of God, we will be under the shadow of the Almighty. So this is the relationship for it. So verse 14 says this, because all of us, you, me, all of us, if we have set our love on Jehovah God, that's the name of God here, Jehovah God, this is what the reciprocal love from Jehovah looks like. Look at verse 14. God will rescue you and God will protect you. Very straightforward, very, very straightforward. The beauty of 14 is that it's not enough for God in this case to allow the prophet to speak this promise. 
God, the voice in verses 1 through 13 shifts in verses 14 through 16, and it moves from the prophet speaking on behalf of God to God speaking intentionally in God's own way. God says in verse 14, because I love you, because I have a relationship, I will rescue you and I'll protect you. God declares this in first person. The reason being, the text says, verse, very simply, beginning of the text, because we, we love him, because we acknowledge his name. The Hebrew there, the word acknowledgement, because we love God in the text, because we acknowledge him, the Hebrew there is the word yada. I don't know if you all remember that old Byron Cain song, like yada means. The word there, the Hebrew there, is simply acknowledging that God is who God says God is, and he is truthful about who God says that God is. All this is, very simply, is a personal relationship that we have with God, and that if I am personal with God, God is personal with me. So therefore, I acknowledge God. And in the acknowledgement of God, God does two things. God rescues us and God protects us, right? So because of that yada, because I'm acknowledging God, because I'm yadaing God, we get verses 15 and 16. So now God says, because of that relationship, this is what intimacy with God feels like. Verse 15 and 16. Intimacy with God is available to all of us who desire to be intimate with God, right? So what does he do? Look at verse 15 and 16. Number one, I will answer every need. The Hebrew there translates, God will respond to, God will reply to every single prayer. I've said this before about prayer. God answers every prayer. Sometimes we just don't like the answer God gives. But God answers every prayer. The Hebrew there, so God says, because of intimacy with me, verse 15, I will answer every prayer. Number two, um, I will be with you in trouble. It speaks about protection. God, the Hebrew there is very powerful, that God will keep you from sinking under your burdens. I want you to see this. God will stop be with you in trouble. What's the trouble? Burdens. The troubles of life, the, the worry parties, problems of life, the worry waters of life. God will protect you. God will keep you from sinking under your burdens. Then thirdly, God says, I will deliver you and I will honor you. Hebrew there says, I will set you on high. Literally, what God does in this text, what he's saying here is, I am giving you, I am blessing you, I am covering you with the grace of the Spirit. Once you see this, verse, verse 15, I'm covering you, I'm adorning you, I'm giving you the grace of my Spirit. And what God is doing in verse 15, and he says, I'm giving you communion and fellowship with God's self. And in that way, God says, I'm giving you, we talk about heaven on earth, I'm giving you access to my kingdom and to my glory. So when God says, I'm setting you on high, I will deliver you, I will honor you, I will set you on high, God says, I'm giving you access to my kingdom, access to my glory by covering you with my spirit and granting you fellowship with myself. God says, if we desire to be intimate with God, God will be intimate with us. That's all verse 15. So because of that, I will then, because of that blessing, I want you to see this, I will give you long life and I'll satisfy you. Long life is because of obedience. That's it. So what was the obedience? Go back to verse number 14. Because we acknowledge the name of God. That's, that's the whole, I really hope we get this tonight. We acknowledge the name of God. There's we're obedient to the word of God. There's long life because of obedience. And God says obedience does this. I'll answer every prayer. I'll be with you in trouble. I'll deliver you and honor you. In essence, I will set you on high and give you communion and fellowship with myself. 
everything you need is in God and everything you could ever desire is in God. And if you call upon the name of the Lord, God will keep you, God will sustain you, God will protect you from your enemies. He'll protect you, keep you from your burdens, and he'll give you long life because you are obedient. That's verses 14 through 16. So what else? So here's the thing. I, I drove here across country about a month ago. And before I left, I went to Toyota dealership. I have a car. I want to say this. This is so exciting. This is just personal. I j- today, I just paid off my car, and I finally own something that's not a microwave. Like, it just makes me feel so amazing. Like, I own a piece of something, right? And so I just paid off my car. So anyway, I drove my car. And so before I drove my car, I went to a Toyota dealership, and uh, I said, I told them, I said, can you check my car out? Like, I just need to check my car. Look, what's going on in my car? Toyota dealership, they said, cool in the gang. They get my car, take it to the back. They came back and said, sir... We need to replace three of your tires. I dry rot on my tires. I said, cool, all right, cool. And I said, after we replace them, your tires, we have to realign your tires. Um, I was like, okay, cool. Well, we got to realign my tires. It told me it's like it's one thing to replace the tires because they need to be replaced. But you also need to realign them to make sure that all your tires are equally distributed throughout the cars so you don't have anything wrong that happens on the journey. It's one thing to replace the tires. It's another thing to realign the tires. And in order for me to go on this really long journey, I need to not just replace these dry rotted tires, but realign them so I can do my very best as I, as I can to avoid any accident. Because the goal of going on the journey was to enjoy the journey. Here's what Psalm 91 does as we get to this part. Salvation in Christ was not gifted to us through the shed blood of Jesus to fight God's will. Psalm 91, at the end of this text, does this for us. I believe Psalm 91 is an opportunity for us to replace and realign. Replace your fighting with peace. Replace your chaos with comfort. Replace your desires with God's destiny. Replace what was with what is yet to come. And too often we ask God to replace some things, but then we don't get it realigned. Or we ask God because we want to be cheap to just realign it without replacing And both of those are going to lead you closer and closer and not keep you in safety and lead you further and further to an accident. So now you're looking and you're driving in your car worried. and That's what happens in a lot of our prayer lives. We're praying that God keeps us from something when God says the way to keep you from something is salvation and through the shed blood of Jesus will replace it and realign it. Verse 15 tells us in this verse that God says here's what's available when you have mutual love and respect for God. God's love for us is phenomenal. And this is what life looks like when we love God back. And it sounds so surface level, but church, it's, I think there's so many times we come to church and we rejoice over how much God loves us, but we don't turn around and tell God how much we love him back. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you I love you. A little bit. I love you, Jesus. Right? And we, we, we love Jesus, but not more than anything. Like if God were to strip everything, that's why reading Joel chapter 1 has been difficult for some of us. Because how dare God wipe everything out and tell me that he loves me? You want me to love a God who does that? Because I love you, Jesus, but I, I don't like everything that you do. And what Psalm 91 is showing us is this is the power, this is the authority when there's mutual intimacy between God and God's people. Jesus gave his life for his people. Are we turning around and loving God back? How do you respond when God addresses your actual needs? Because a lot of the time God blesses us with what we want. 
or sometimes he doesn't give you what you want, then we get frustrated. How do you respond to God when God actually blesses you with what you really need? And what's our real need as humans? Our real need as humans, we are broken people. And the brokenness of our soul has a desire to be seen, to be heard, to be loved and respected. And as we seek to be seen, heard, loved, and respected, if we seek for it outside of the, the fold of God, that's what leads some of us into places of sin. That's why we act on our jobs. We act in our relationships, act in our churches. We fight to be seen, fight to be heard, fight to be loved, fight to be respected. We go to parties to be seen, to be heard, to be loved and respected. You go buy new outfits to be seen, to be heard, to be loved and to respected. And the reason for some of us, even today, we came to church because we just want somebody to see me. Ask me how you can pray for me. Will you hear me? Can you love me? Because everywhere I go in the world, somebody is talking about me. I just want to be seen, heard, loved, and respected. And I can tell you too, I'm blue in the face. I can tell you till I'm purple that God loves you, God sees you, God hears you, God loves you. I can scream it. I can holler it. I can even wear a t-shirt that tells you that. But yet we see statistic after statistic after statistic of how people respond because we don't feel seen, we don't feel heard, we don't feel loved, and you feel disrespected. And our unhealthy, unhealed emotions begin to dictate how we live our lives. Many of us across this screen, in this room, You've gone on dates just waiting for somebody to tell you how handsome or pretty you are. I mean, come on. That's why you bought all that weave, all them nails. Come on, talk to me. All them socks. You bought the loud socks. You purchased that loud colored car to be seen, to be heard, to be loved. If you don't like it, you can just say, out. Some of the endeavors you started, the businesses, the podcasts, the ministries that you've started are just to be seen, to be heard, to be loved. Some of y'all have even changed your hair color, cut it all off, bought a car, refused to do something, to be seen. So, let me tell you, if you're looking for that outside of God, you will never make enough money. You'll never go to the right school. You'll never have the right friends. You'll never have enough resources. You'll never know enough people to be seen, to be heard, to be loved and respected. On the flip side of that, many of us are in positions of power and authority. And what happens if we are looking to be seen, heard, loved, and respected, this is where manipulation and narcissism comes in. Because on the flip side of that, we use our power and authority to dictate somebody else's way of living to, so that they can make sure they tell us that we are seen, we are heard, we are loved and respected. So we tell people how to dress. We tell people how to move, how to act, how to show up, how to sit down. That your purpose in life has become down to whitewashed capitalistic tendencies on power, and whenever power is not used to build the body of Christ, power is used to distract and harm people. So here's what the text tells me, and you're probably wondering, what in the world am I going? God says in verse 15, quit searching for what you already have. In the secret place, God honors you because you honor him. I can run out on this is so good. I don't know why y'all ain't talking. That is so good. God honors you. God sits on high, clears off the table, sits you down, and he says, I'm showing you off. Why? Because I made you, and because you're in the secret place, there is no harm that could come near you. And so if you seek me, I will honor you. I'll respect you. I will show you off because you are my child. I'll keep you. I'll hold you, and I'll honor you. Verse 15, God says, so if you stay in the secret place, I'll honor you. Because you honor me. So here's my question tonight as we finish Psalm 91. If we're really going to hold the secret place, whose honor are you seeking after? What else does God have to do for you to love him back? 
I'm just, let's just put this out there. What else does God have to do in your life for you to turn around and say, Jesus, I love you? For some of us, I want you to really take time and answer that question. I, want, I won't say it so harsh. What else? What, what other blood does he have to spill for you to trust him with your heart? I know this goes a lot against what we've learned in church, but I want you to live in the secret place. God stops and point blank says, if you call on my name and if you trust me, this is what I will do. And for some reason, when God says, this is what I will do, we turn around and say, God, but my boss. God, this is what I will do. And then we turn around and say, God, but the war in Ukraine. This is what I will do. But God, you didn't let my life go viral. This is what I will do. And we let everything else around us distract us from the truth. That if we honor God, God's going to honor you in the secret place. So then we jump out the secret place. Then we get mad at God and angels come and keep you from stumbling against your foot. And then we jump out the secret place and God heals you. And then we come back and we jump out the secret place because we're so comfortable in a world full of chaos that we don't even know what peace feels like. God says, I will keep you covered. If you don't believe me, everybody take your Bibles. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians 4. I really want you to see this, and I want everyone to see this in your Bible. So they go to Ephesians chapter 4. The thing about Ephesians chapter 4 is oftentimes we talk about spiritual warfare and what spiritual warfare is, how spiritual warfare works. And so we get so comfortable in the body of Christ. We get so comfortable in our relationship with God fighting. What I want you to see here, that God never gave us weapons to fight. You're in defense. You stand still and see the salvation of God. Right? So I want you to see this. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this. Ephesians 4, verse number 10. Ephesians 4, verse 10. If you haven't underlined this, underline this. If you haven't highlighted this, highlight this. I said this on Sunday, and I've been joking around, EK. I was like, it has been so fun, like, the first month. Then all of a sudden, my mom was like, you started pastoring last Sunday, Justin. I was like, because I love this stuff. Church, if we ever were to hold the truth of the weapons that God gave us, our weapons are used to defend the word of God. That's it. Not your ego. Look at what it says. Ephesians chapter 6. Sorry, Ephesians 6. Verse 10, Ephesians 6, not Ephesians 4, sorry. Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, sorry, I got it, I got it mixed up. I had my paper flipped over. Ephesians 6, verse 10, says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. If you have not underlined the word stand, whoever your translation has, underline, highlight that. This is what we do in battle. This is what we do in our prayer time. We take our stand against it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look at the text. Rulers, authorities, Powers of the dark world, um, powers of spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able, someone say stand. Your ground, after done everything else, what do we do there? We keep on standing. So then stand firm. Look what he says here. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Right? I want you to see here. So verses 14 to 17, God says, these are your weapons. I want you to get these weapons. The belt of truth was a large leather strap that went around the waist. The belt kept your whole garment together. It held your sword. It held your weapon. If you don't wear your belt, got it, you cannot fight. The truth of the gospel holds your armor together. If you don't know the gospel, you have nothing that will keep you together. The wisdom of the gospel, the experiences, and the word of God keeps your stuff in check. That's the belt of truth. So who is keeping you together? Who's in control of what keeps you together? Are your finances your belt? 
or what people think about you, your belt, or your emotion. What is keeping you together? God says, if you're really going to go into warfare, if you're going to trust me in the secret place, you are not in war. You have truth that holds you together. Then he says, keep going. He says, the armor on your chest. The armor was righteousness. It was a metal breastplate for soldiers protecting their breasts and vital organs. That's righteousness. Righteousness is God protecting your heart. So are you fighting your battles that are coming directly from your heart, or are you breathing in and out the Holy Spirit? Are attacks, the attacks that come are coming to attack your heart, because as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes in the world. Attacks are not coming for your hands, they're coming for your heart. And if righteousness, the word of God, the protection from God, is covering your vital organs, then you're breathing in and out the Holy Spirit. Then he says, put on the sandals, the gospel of peace. These sandals kept people from slipping. We believe that the sandals they had in warfare were one to two inch cleats on the bottom of their shoes. I want you to see this. One, so like I've seen, like I played football. We had small cleats in the bottom of our shoes. Sandals, the gospel of peace, one to two inch cleats. The goal of it was so that you got in the ground and you were grounded. You are not running with two inch cleats on the bottom of your shoes. Right? You are not running. And so what the sandals, what peace does, hear me, is the gospel of peace makes you aware of the battle around you, but trust the God of victory. Peace makes me aware, but I'm ready for it, but I'm trusting that God's going to keep me girded because I'm stuck in the ground. You cannot run. Your enemies have small cleats, but you are grounded in the word of God. That's why the old song said, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. Not run. No, all of the ground is sinking sand. Even if you're trying to run, here's the thing. I, I can't get over, like there were some songs a couple years ago about we chasing after you and I'm chasing after God. God is not lost. We are. You ain't got to find God. God is not, we are the ones who are lost. We, God, if we're grounded in the gospel, Right? So then he says, pick up the shield of faith. I love the shield of faith. What they would do with shields of faith, the shields, is they would soak the shields overnight. And what enemies would do is enemies would have uh, arrows that lit on fire. And they would shoot the arrows with fire. Well, what happened is because your, soul, your, your shield was soaked overnight, when the fire came to hit your shield, your shield put out any fire that came from your enemy. Because faith is not... Faith is not some last-minute thing you just throw at a storm. you got to work your faith. And if you don't soak your shield overnight, when fiery darts come your way, you're not going to knock the fire out. The shield of faith, faith is preparing. Faith is constant. You're constantly reading your Bible. You're constantly in the Word of God. You're constantly seeking God's face. You're constantly in your Bible. You're constantly reading the Word of God. You're constantly seeking God's faith because you recognize that if a storm were to show up, my shield is soaked and ready to go. And this is a movable piece here. So you can move your shield so your shield protects you all around because remember, I have peace, I'm aware of the storm, my shield is moving, so if anything comes my way, I can knock out every single fiery dart of my enemy. So then what keeps your head is the helmet of salvation. Word salvation there for, for Paul is assurance. The, the helmet of salvation is this. I have the assurance that no matter what happens in life's battles, I am one with Jesus. So if I live through the battle, I'm one with Jesus. And if I die in the battle, I am one with Jesus. So I have joy in the battle. You know why? Because I'm one with Jesus. <laughs> in church, I don't think we own that truth. I want to make it very clear. If I live, I'm one with Jesus. 
If I die, I'm one with Jesus. So you know how I'm going to live every single day? Like I'm one with Jesus. If work goes well tomorrow, I'm one with Jesus. If work is terrible, I'm one with Jesus. So I might as well not trip over it. You know why? Because I'm assured that some glad morning, <laughs> when this life is over, I'm going to be with you. Because I'm one, helmet of salvation. So then if the enemy gets close to you, the text says, then take out the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit was a dagger. It was about this big. I really want you to get clear. It was about two inches and you had the handle. The handle was bigger than the dagger. And it was just in case your enemy got close to you. You stabbed him with the word of God. That was it. And so it's a close battle. It's not a long battle. It's not, uh, you know, you just, <clears throat> so if the enemy gets close, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. The Lord is my shepherd. If the enemy gets close, it's a short stab. Because, because here's the reason why that's so small. Because of all your preparation, if the enemy gets that close, I mean, they worked hard because the arrow didn't work. They didn't, I mean, all, I mean, they worked hard to get to you. God is teaching us, church, that when it comes to this, our battles are not with all these extra things. You war in the spirit against the things that we see in the world. And remember, we stand in a posture of victory, right? So God says, love me. I'm back in Psalm 91. God says, acknowledge me. I'll deliver you. I'll honor you. So this today, as we continue our month of prayer, is really a query today into your prayer life, into consistency. Where are you? Right? Where are you? Are you in the secret place? Are you on the battlefield? Are you fighting things that God already said you already won? As we conclude Psalm 91, I want to really apply this today. Every person of faith has access to the secret place place of protection, place of possibility, place of purpose, place to be cared for, place to be honored, place to be loved by God. The question in your life today, where are you and where is God in your life? And is God the one you are seeking honor from? Are you worshiping other idols? Are you giving honor to other idols that are not God? Like, are you coming into your prayer time and, like, giving honor to my finances, who's the head of my life, and to the potentate, to the pastor, to the deacons? If, are you giving, giving honor to my boss, who is the head of my life? I just thank you so very much for this time. Or is it giving honor to God? Are you seek to be seen, heard, understood daily by God? Are you seeking to be fully known and fully loved by God? Or are you seeking to be fully known and fully loved by other people? Psalm 91 ends with this. Let's replace that focus and not just replace it, but realign it. So I'm going to give you some practical things to apply Psalm 91. If you got first week, I really spent some time diving into the text. Second week, I wanted to flesh it out about warfare. But this week, I really want to give some application to Psalm 91. The first principle I want to give you, so it's a reevaluation of your heart to replace and realign, to replace and realign. Verse 14 teaches us this lesson. Number one, locate what changes your rhythm, right? Here's the rhythm of the secret place. Because we love me. I will. Because they love me, I will. God says, because they love me, I'll rescue. Because they love me, I'll protect you. Because they love me, I will. The rhythm of the secret place is this constant, intimate love between God's people and God. Here's the principle. God's I will is a response to your I trust. God's I will is a response to your I trust. God is not a causal God, but I want you to consider the questions you're asking heaven that heaven has already answered. I want you to consider the issues you keep bringing to God that heaven's already given you clarity on. 
and you just don't like where God is taking it. <laughs> How's your rhythm? Is your rhythm, is your rhythm of pain and strife and negativity and fighting and pain and strife and negativity and fighting? Like, do you know there's some people who don't want to answer your phone because they know when you call them it's pain, strife, negativity, and fighting? And there's some people that you don't want to answer when they call you because it's pain and strife and negativity and fighting. When you go into your prayer time, is it pain and strife and negativity and fighting? Or is it, God, I love you because I'm trusting you in the secret place. If you love me, I will. Where is the posture of your heart and where's the posture of your worship? What gets you off rhythm in your prayer time? What gets you in rhythm in your prayer time? Who gets you off rhythm in your prayer time? Who gets you in rhythm in your prayer time? God says, because I love you, because you love me, I will. Are you in rhythm with that? I want to tell you very clearly I love when uh, Mother Essie said this to me earlier. She said, Pastor, you just make it simple. I love making things just really simple in Scripture. Are you in rhythm with God? Because you love me, I will. Does, God work, does God's work in your life affect how you see your day-in and day-out engagement? This is where your heart is. What is the rhythm of your faith and what is the rhythm of your life? So I want everyone to practice online and in person. I want you to practice very simply. I want you to just say this out loud. I want you to write it down in your journal. God, I love you because. Why do you love God? And if you haven't, I want you to practice loving God. Like I want you to think about this. Like what if you never told your spouse you love them, but you expected them to do everything for you? Like, you better do this, I better come home, this better be this, this is this, and I'm just going to come home and do this. And you expected them to love you, and you didn't constantly remind them, like, hey, listen, it's a mutual thing. God, I love you. There's a rhythm to your marriage. There's a rhythm to what you do. Imagine if you never tell your children that you love them after you punish them, after you correct them. God says, do you, I, I, I love you. Right? Number two, respond and don't react. Respond, don't, don't react. God teaches us, that's verse 15, that the honorable, this level of honorable relationship, this level of intimacy is a response, not a reaction. Reacting to us to be different. We read the book of Joel. That's the reason there's other side of God that a lot of us don't like. Because in the Old Testament, there's a whole lot of reactions. Y'all did this, wipe it out. Y'all said this, wipe it out. But responding is processing insight and honor. God responds to your rhythm. He responds. And I'm grateful that God constantly breathes in response with wisdom. So where in your faith are you reacting in your emotions? And where in your faith are you responding because of wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is taking the word of God and your experiences, bringing them together and giving you insight. Right? There is no age limit to wisdom. You can be young or old with wisdom. Wisdom is being able to pause. Reflection turns information into insight. Reflection turns information into insight. Wisdom is taking the word of God, your experiences, and bringing them together and giving insight. Whether that's positive experiences or negative experiences. Because let me tell you, even in your worst experiences, there is a lesson in your loss. Word of God, experiences, coming together, insight. And that insight is then teaching me how I respond in my faith. So when that same storm comes along, I'm not reacting, I'm responding. Peace be still. 
God is calling us to wisdom. Writer of Proverbs says, walk with the wise and become wise. To walk with wisdom. Emotions are a reaction. Wisdom is a response. So here's a response. A reaction, sorry, a reaction harms someone. A response, I'm sorry. So many of us are on the brink of freedom because you just got to tell somebody I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. Can you just go on? Let's just practice. Those of you in the building, those of you online, just look at somebody and just say, I'm sorry. Just practice. Just practice. Some of y'all are looking at nobody because you don't want to say it. Just look at somebody and say, I'm sorry. Just practice saying, I'm sorry. Just practice, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just weird, right? It's weird. Nobody likes saying it because we respond in our emotions. Our emotions keep trying to cover up what we just need to say sorry for. That's wisdom. That's growth. It's growth. Wisdom is healing. Wisdom's going to therapy. Jesus, wisdom is going to therapy. Wisdom is going to the doctor. Wisdom is not eating pork, how much pork you eat. Hallelujah. Wisdom is eating some vegetables with all that meat on your plate. Jesus. (laughs) Wisdom is talking to somebody. Oh, I'm here. Come here. Wisdom is talking. Wisdom, watch this is pausing before you speak. Wisdom is responding from, hear this, wisdom is responding from the honor that God sees you with. God honors you. Are you responding in your sin nature, your emotions that are unhealthy? Are you responding in wisdom that is taking God's word your experiences, and merging them together. Where in your faith are you reacting? Where in your faith in your, are you responding? It's like this. I used to play football, and uh, so I was coaching football, and I'm hoping to coach football. Shameless plug. If anybody needs a football coach, an offensive or defensive line, I'm your boy. I promise you. I will get that kicked up real quick, right? So, all right. So, the thing is, we had a team, and we were playing Hope High School. We were playing football, and, um, and we were, I was coaching football uh, last year, and the more film... I was watching, I realized the more I watched more film, the more I understood I was breaking down the players. I was watching every single player, noticed their tendencies, what they did on first down, what they did on second down. And I realized that I was able to coach my players better because we weren't getting to a game reacting to them. I knew all of their tendencies. I knew on first down, they're probably going to do this. Second down, they're going to do this. Third down, more than likely going to do this. I knew the weaknesses. I knew when they shifted. I knew the gaps on their O-line, the gaps on their D-line. I knew where they were going to move. So now I was able to coach my players because I wasn't reacting in the game. We were responding with wisdom. We could project more than likely, 70% of the time, they're going to make this play. Here's what faith does. When you're in the word of God, it's your film session. And you're able to respond with wisdom and not react with your emotions. So here's the thing. God ain't surprised. Why are you? God is not surprised. And he gave you 66 books full of answers. Respond. I'm done. Then thirdly, here's the last application. Live, I hope you all still like me after this. Live with the future. Live in step with the future. Here's what God shows us in verse number 16. A new season means new vision. You ever notice how we pray for seasons like, God, oh my God, give me a new season. God, open doors. God, do this. And then when God does it, it's like, God, okay, give me the new season, but give me the vision for my old season, right? So you walk into summer trying to wear winter clothes, and now you wonder why you're sweating so much. You walk into winter wearing summer clothes. A new season means new vision. 
Obedience to God in the secret place means long life. All throughout the Old Testament, long life was a reward for faithfulness. So here's the new season. War before God was focused on the temporary. Long life is focused on building legacy. So when you're fighting and desiring chaos outside of the secret place, that's temporary. It's old African proverbs when two elephants fight. Nobody wins. The grass loses. Fighting and chaos, negativity, talking down to somebody, not talking to God, not engaging with God's people, that's temporary. Great pleasure, but it's temporary. But being in the secret place, long life and legacy. Consider the conflict in your life. Consider the conflict in your life today. Consider what you had at work today, and it was so heavy. I mean, oh, my God, I can't believe I was going to do this at work. Or going tomorrow, I got, I got to have this meeting. I do consider, the work, consider the conflict in your life today. It's temporary. Consider what made you lose sleep last week. I mean, really think about it. Consider what got you distracted, made you lose sleep. You over here on your face praying about a staff meeting, like your whole world going craving at a staff meeting. And then here you are tonight, and here's the question I've learned to ask myself. Will it matter in five years? If not, don't give it five minutes. Shifting your focus. Fighting in chaos is temporary. It's a battle. It's a war. But the secret place. See, when, you think, when we think about life then with Jesus as eternity, I want you to think about a tape measure. A tape measure, your hand, what, 8 inches, 10 inches, 12 inches, your hand is one foot on that tape measure. But that tape measure goes out for 20, 30, 40 feet. Life is just a little part of that tape measure. But eternity with Jesus is the entirety of multiple tape measures. You tripping over a blip, over one section of eternity. You losing your hair, your mind, your sleep, your peace over one centimeter of eternity. The secret place says eternity. Cussing you out, a centimeter. Secret place says eternity. Giving you a piece of my mind because I don't like peace in my life. It's temporary. A new season. I want to challenge all of us. To move from the temporary satisfaction of giving folk a piece of your mind, giving yourself a piece of your mind, talking down to yourself, to have new vision, eternity. The secret place says there's, there's legacy. So live in step with the future. What would your children say about you if they ever were to see the message you sent to some people? What would your grandchildren think about you? If they were to hear some of the things that you, like, what would they, that's legacy. Terry Tippis Williams said the eyes of the future are looking back at us, praying for us, that our pathways are straight. Are we giving our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren, are we giving generations we will never meet a smooth path? Or are we throwing rocks and pebbles on the road that when they desire to live in the secret place, we have not left a legacy for generations yet to come? Live in step with the future. And I'll give you this. Remember my car? The goal of my car was, is to keep me with Toyota as long as possible. Why? So I can buy another car. Because their goal is retention. They're invested in me as a, per as a person who bought. They know I'm going to pay that car off because I did. I'm so happy about it. They know I'm invested. I like it. I'm retained with them. Their goal is to get me out of that one to get a new one because they want to keep me there. Here's God's goal for you. He wants to replace and realign places of your heart because he wants to keep you. He's invested 
in you. And how much did God invest in you? He paid it all. He's invested. You are an investment. God has invested a piece of God's self to not only look like him, but he gave all of his son. And then he gave us an advocate that if we ever feel that we're out of line with that investment, we have an advocate that intercedes for us. God is invested in you. I wonder how that shifts the way we see ourselves because of the ways we've downed God's investment. Live in step with the future. And how do we do that? He or she that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will speak well of God. And I will speak well of God. And I will speak well of God. If there's nothing you get from this to have emotionally healthy worship, church, I want your worship to not be focused on the temporary, but to be focused on the long term, on legacy. On the back of your sheets in here, as we go into our prayer time tonight, I ask you a simple question. What is, after you read Psalm 91, what is God saying to you? What verses, what sections of that scripture is God saying to you? And we talk about praying the scriptures. This is what I mean. So that's, that's adding the word of God to your prayer language. God, today I wake up and keep me in the secret place. God, I wake up today. God, show me the angels that are carrying me. God, what will cause my foot to slip today? That's adding it to your prayer language. That's what enriches your prayer. That's what makes Satan so frustrated. Prayer languages are not some Pentecostal Kojic move. Prayer languages are simply taking the word of God and praying the word of God. God, today I need you to be my shepherd. I don't know what I need, but I know you give me everything that I possibly could need. So God, if I go into a valley, lead me out of it. God, raise up the That's praying the word of God. So what is God saying to you as you look at Psalm 91? How is your relationship with God? Are you reacting or responding in your faith? Secondly, who is God calling you to share Psalm 91 with? Who is God calling you to go say I'm sorry to? What is God calling you to do because of Psalm 91? This is what takes our faith to levels and dimensions and levels and dimensions. And we're able to walk into seasons and not ask God for the harvest we had in the last season. He that dwells, she that dwells in the secret place. As we transition to our knee time, you can pray at your seat. You can come to the altar if you want to. I want you to stay in the secret place. How is your relationship with God? Maybe your time tonight is simply asking, just reminding God how much you love God. Maybe your time today is taking time to just love on God, and that's fine. Take time to love him. Take time to care. Take time to be present. As we, You can pray in your seats. You can pray on your knees. You can come to this altar wherever you want to go today. But I want to apply this today. How is your relationship God, how's your faith? That's what I want to talk to God about. I don't want you to talk about church. I don't want you to talk to God about tomorrow's situation. We'll get to that in a second. But I want you right now to talk to God about your relationship with God. And I want to lead us through prayer today. Because we can talk about all this other stuff, but if you are not rejoicing about love in the secret place, 
we could miss out on so many other things that happen in the world. So wherever you are, if you want to come to the altar, you want to stay at your seat, I want to lead us through prayer today. Those of you at home, if you want to kneel where you are, kneel on the side of your bed, how is your relationship with God? So I'm going to lead you through prayer. I want to start with repentance. Repentance is not beating yourself up. Repentance is, this is where I was. This is what I said. This is what I did. So I want you to take time and just start the conversation with God. God, this is me again. Hey, God. Hey, friend. Sovereign God. However you start to relate that conversation with God. But I want to lead you through it. So begin to talk to God in your own way. Hey, God, it's, it's me again. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday night. It's your word again. I want you to start with repentance. God, this is where I was. This is what I said. This is what I did. And what repentance does is these are the reasons why I think you shouldn't listen to me. I'm going to give it to you. Come on. Don't beat yourself up. Just tell him. He's a parent that loves. Just tell him. And let your repentance move you to thanks. Because of what you just told God, take time to tell him thank you that you are still listening to me in spite of everything I just told you. Thank you that you're the lover of my soul, the water that I drink, the air that I breathe. Come on, begin to thank him. Thank you that you're engaging with me beyond me. Thank you, God, for the places where I've rejected you. You still accept me. Thank you that you're a friend. You're closer than a brother. You're closer than a sister. Come on, just get uncomfortable thanking him. Come on, come on. Don't move to anything else. Don't move to requests. Just thank him, thank him. Thank him for children. Thank him for life, health, strength, wealth. Come on, thank him, thank him. That thankfulness is for what God has done, but then let your thankfulness move you to praise. Praise is for who God is. That because of everything you just thanked him, God, I, th I praise you that you are holy. I praise you, Jehovah. I praise you that you're Yahweh. I praise you that you're Jireh. You're Tishkenu. You are Shalom. You are peace. You are health. You are Come on. I want you to praise him for who he is. What do you thank you that you are? I praise you for secret places. I praise you for being a winner, for being victorious. That that thanks move you to praise. Come on, that praise might even lead some of you to stand to lift your hands. That praise may lead drive you to your knees. That praise may lead you to have external shouts of adoration. I don't want you to request anything yet. I want you to take time, church, and get uncomfortable without musicians, without praise teams, without choirs, just to praise him. Let your prayers lead you to praise. Come on, I praise you because you're holy. I praise you because you're awesome. I praise you because you're honorable. I praise you because you're the air in my lungs. I praise you because you love. I praise you. I praise you that you are high and lifted up. I praise you that you are fully who you said you are. You are a creator. You are sovereign. You are holy. You are most awesome. You are great. I praise you. I lift you higher. My soul makes her boast in how great and grand, how powerful you are. God, I praise you for being God. I praise you for being a healer, for being a, a deliverer, for being a, a mind regulator. I let your prayer lead you to praise. Come on, church, begin to praise him where you are. I praise you for what you are in my life. I want you to get uncomfortable praising him. Come on. 
want you to, this is Psalm 91, because, and because I love, God, I love you, 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 I praise you, I love you, I praise you, I love you, I praise you, I love you more than anything, more than my money, more than my cars, more than my clothes, more than who I am, I love you more than my reputation, hallelujah, I love you more than my reputation, I love you more than how others perceive me, I love you more than how others think of me, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and God says, because you love me, I'll protect you, I'll rescue you, I'll protect you, I'll rescue you, this is the word of God. I'll protect you. I'll rescue you. I'll protect you and I'll rescue you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And because of that praise, that leads you to request. Come on, ask whatever you will, whatever you need from the Lord. Come on, request it. Come on, request it. Request it. John 15, verse number 8, ask what you will in my name and it shall be done. So request it. Come on, what is it that you need from God? Maybe for some of you, it's realignment in his will. Be honest enough to say, maybe you don't even know how to request it. God, I just want to be close to you. I want to understand you. I want to discern your word. I want to know your voice. I want to understand this. Maybe it is a carnal thing. Maybe it is work. Maybe it is peace at work. Maybe it is hope. What do you need from God? John 15 and 8, ask whatever you will in my name and it will be done for you. Come on, what do you need from God today? Request it, request it, request it. Request it. I need protection. I need to be rescued from myself. Hallelujah. I need to be rescued from someone else. I need protection in my mind. I need protection in my habits. I need protection in my character. I need protection in my spending habits. I need the restoration of my integrity. Come on. I, whoo, God, I need the restoration of how I see myself. I need... I need to think clearer about how I see me. I need to think clearer about how I see you, God. I need, I need, I need distractions gone. Come on, request it, request it, request it. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Request it. Heaven is full of the prayers. Our faith is not prayed yet. Come on, pull that prayer out. Come on. Come on, request it. Come on, heaven is full of the prayers. Our faith has not prayed. Come on, pull it, pull it, pull it. Pull that healing. Come on, you haven't, your faith hasn't prayed it. Raise your faith right now in the name of Jesus. Pull that healing. Come on, pull that hope for your family. Pull that joy for your parents. Pull that long-suffering for your job. Pull it from heaven in the name of Jesus. Come on, come on. Raise your faith. Come on, come on. I'll rescue you. I'll protect you. I'll rescue you. I'll protect you. It's not Justin, it's the gospel. I'll rescue you. I'll protect you. Come on. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable, but this is, this is seeking his face. Come on. As the deer pants for the water, my soul pants for you. Oh, God, I pant for you. I'm yearning for your presence. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. God, in the strong name of Jesus, we thank you for access to the secret place. And thank you that once we're in the secret place, we abide in you, you'll abide in us, and we can, we can be one with you. Thank you, God, that you're hearing the prayers of my friends. I pray, God, that you hear those prayers. I pray, God, that what our faith does not ask, I pray, God, that you show us as you said in the book of Joel, that young men will dream dreams and old young men, sorry, will have vision and old men will dream dreams. Young women will speak and prophesy. So God, in the name of Jesus, I pray God for the places our faith has not requested that you raise our faith. 
to be in line with where you desire our faith to be. Thank you, God, that because we yada your name, we acknowledge your name, you rescue and you protect. Thank you, God, that you will set us on high. Thank you, God, that we have what we don't have to work for because we woke up in victory. Thank you that your word is true. Forgive us for the opinions we've had about your word. Forgive us for trying to find you. Forgive us for trying to find you and tell you, God. But today, in the name of Jesus, God, we make wise faith decisions. So God, continue to rend our hearts. But as we've torn our hearts, God, I pray now by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you begin to mend our hearts together. You mend our heart back, God. I pray, God, that you heal the scars on our souls, the scars on our hearts, the places where our sin, our frustration, our negativity, our anger have cut at your presence. God, in this place, God, we lay our egos at your feet and say, God, bring us back to the secret place. Forgive us for the wars we've started. Forgive us, God, for the casualties that we may never meet. Forgive us, God, for the souls that we've distanced from you because our egos were objects of our worship. But by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you told us to ask whatever we will in your name. So, God, we ask now for restoration. We ask, God, for healing in our homes. We ask, God, for reconciliation among friendships. We ask God for healing among loved ones. We ask God for unity among church members. God, we ask God for peace among family members. God, we ask God for hope among our children. God, we ask God for next levels among our, for our communities. God, we ask it in the name of Jesus. And we know, God, that when we lay it at your feet, you pick it up and show us what you've already done. So in the name of Jesus, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my home as it is in heaven, in Vallejo, as it is in heaven, in my church, as it is in heaven, in my school, as it is in heaven, in my money, as it is in heaven, in my relationships, as it is in heaven, in my marriage, as it is in heaven. Spirit of the living God, send down what's already in heaven. Give me what I need to get through the day. Forgive my sin and I'll forgive those who sinned against me. Because I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for my friends. I pray, God, that what they've left at your feet, you don't give them the strength to pick back up. Hallelujah. I pray, God, that what they've left at your feet, you, you, you take away their vision to even know how to pick it up again. That when they leave out of here, Someone will say strange things happened. And we can only point them back to the miracle worker in Jesus. Thank you for this church. Thank you for trusting us with your presence on a Wednesday night. Thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. Speak boldly. God, draw your people close to you so that your voice sounds like rolling thunder. Renew our love for your word. 
Renew our love for each other. Get beyond ourselves, God. Force us. Be God, I pray for encounters in post offices, in grocery stores, at, at Walmart. I pray for encounters at Safeway with people I don't like and unite my heart with your heart. In Jesus' name. So that, God, there is no barrier for me to enter into your place with thanksgiving and to come into your courts with praise, to be thankful unto you and bless your name. Why? Because you are good. Your mercy is everlasting and your truth endures to all generations. Thank you for moments at your feet. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you, God, that by this time next week, we'll hear about prayers we pray today that we can begin to say we have an answered prayer wall. Somebody say it is so. Thank you, God, for places where we will walk in unanswered prayer. God, thank you for walls we will see answered prayer, answered healing, answered restoration, answered children coming home, answered prayer time. God, I thank you for answered prayer. Somebody shout, it is so. Thank you that you will answer prayer. Thank you, God, that this altar will begin to empty because the prayers on this altar will be answered. Thank you, God, for children who will see walk into church because of answered prayer. Thank you, God, for resources because of answered prayer. Thank you, God, that we will see by next week answered prayer. Somebody scream, it is so. We lay this at your feet. In Jesus' name. I dare rest for 45 seconds in your house in this space. Come on, can you help me give God glory for no reason? Like God already answered every prayer you just gave him. Come on, go on, give him glory for 45 seconds. Like every single prayer. Come on, don't do that. Don't clap for Justin. Come on, clap like every single prayer you just asked just got answered because we're walking into a season of answered prayer. Don't miss me. I said we're walking into a season of answered prayer. I said we're walking into a season of answered prayer. Answered prayer. I believe the word of God still works. I believe the word of God still works. And they that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under his shadow. A season of answered prayer. A season of answered prayer. Y'all missing me. You mark my words. I said, this is a season of answered prayer. This is a season of answered prayer. You watch what I say. I said, this is a season of answered prayer. Reputations will be restored. Hope will be restored because this is a season of answered prayer. Somebody say it is so. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'm not telling you, those of you who are here, you don't have to go. If you want to stay at the feet of Christ for however long you feel you need to. Those of you online, you're welcome to join us next week and Sunday morning. I look forward to worshiping with you as we continue our journey in Joel. I don't know, we gotta figure out how to do this, Steve. We gotta put this in place. We are in a season of answered prayer. Y'all gotta watch what I say. We are in a season of answered prayer, answered prayer, answered prayer. I'm trying to leave that, but I promise you, there is a unique oil on a house that talks to God, and we are not in a season of just hoping that it happens, but we are in a season, I dare you to write it down, and because of Psalm 91, we are walking into a season of answered prayer. Hallelujah. 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 
I know it's Wednesday, it's not, but hallelujah. Answered prayer. Answered prayer. Answered prayer. Hallelujah. Have an amazing night. We'll see you next Wednesday. God bless you.